Amen. So we're getting to um, tonight's portion, Genesis 17, uh, 1 through to 8, and we'll continue this portion next week as well. But um, it's a passage where we finally get to see um, Abraham, Abraham's new name into Abraham, and we get to see, I guess, I guess the next chapter of his life, um, you know, going forward with his relationship with, with God. Now, at this point, um, and to sort of bring it all together with a bit of a timeline, Abraham is currently um, 99 years old, as the word says. Uh, and Sarai, as we'll see in next week's portion, is 90 years old, um, and she's still barren. And so, if you recall back when we were studying you know, Genesis chapter 12, when God initially called Abraham, he was 75 years old, and he called Abraham to leave his family and to leave his home, which was Haran, um, and to basically go out to see this promised land. And he was 75 years at that age. And it was another basically 11 years, 11 years that he had to wait, that he kept hearing this promise that God would give him, um, you know, that God would give him a nation, that God would give him a people. So between 75 years, another 11 years came about what we saw last week. And he took, you know, um, Hagar to have Ishmael as his first son. And then basically throughout that time, between chapter 16 and chapter 17, there's a period there of about 13 years. 13 years that's taken place. 13 years where Ishmael has grown up to be, well, 13 years of age. But Abraham has not heard from God. 13 years where basically God has gone silent to Abraham. And so when you consider this timeline, it's been a total of 24 years where God had originated, or God had originally called out Abraham, called him out, out of his home, out of his family, told him about this promise, told him about the covenant, told him about the inheritance that he would receive. But it had been, I guess, 24 years of waiting, of waiting to see you know, his offspring of waiting to see uh, this nation that God had promised. And you can imagine that as this is happening, as the years go by, as they're getting older, you know, both Abraham and Sarah, they must be thinking to themselves, how will we have a nation? How will we get a people? How will we have any children? How is this possible as we continue to get on with age? And as we saw last week, you know, Sarah came up with this plan to have her maidservant Hagar to come and have um, you know, a child with Abraham. And they did, but, but that didn't work because what happened was you had this sort of this fallout between Sarah and Hagar, and also this fallout between Abraham and Sarah. And it was basically them trying to do their own thing, them trying to solve um, the situation. And, you know, Hagar basically runs away. And we see last week that God intervenes and God speaks to her and says, you will have this son and this son will be Ishmael. Verse 11 says that um, God basically tells Sarah that he will be like a wild donkey and, you know, he will, hand his hand, he will have his hand against everyone and everyone will be against him. In other words, he was going to be a problem child. He was going to be an issue. And we still see that today, right? As we saw last week, um, we see this conflict between the, um, the Arabic people and the Jewish people, which is rooted here, um, which points back to this situation, back to what we have between Ishmael and Isaac. So Abraham has Ishmael. The kid grows up to be 13 years of age. And at this point, Abraham is now 99 years old, has not had a child with Sarah. 
he hasn't heard from God for 13 years. And now in chapter 17, God shows up. And he says in verse 1, When Abraham was 99 years of uh, years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am God Almighty. I am God Almighty. God appears. God appears and he reveals himself as El Shaddai, the God Almighty, the sufficient one. He calls, he calls out to Abraham and he calls out to Abraham to walk before him, walk before him or walk before me. And, you know, immediately you're sort of thinking, well, why walk before me? Because Abraham had done his own thing again. Abraham went out on his own. Abraham wanted to solve this thing on his own. And so he went out on a wrong turn. In 11 years, he had not heard from God. And he's probably thinking to himself, you know, I'm old. Sarah's old. Um, she's barren. We have no children. How do you expect this to work? It's, it's difficult. It's impossible. And I, as I was saying, they decided to take these things, these matters into their own hands. They wanted to solve this issue out on their own. And so they basically, it's almost as if they say to God, Here, God, we know that this isn't going to work, but we have an idea. We have a solution so that we can keep your promises. Um, and as I said, that led to issues. When they tried to do it on their own, it didn't go to plan. Um, it wasn't what God wanted from them. And things fell apart. And so there's this silence period. There's this period where God doesn't speak to Abraham for 13 years until he comes and he reveals himself as the God Almighty. And this is the first time that God actually manifests himself as El Shaddai. This is the first time that God speaks to about himself in a new way. He comes to Abraham and he says, I am God Almighty. I am the sufficient one. And this is something that we need to understand about God. He is the sufficient one. He is God Almighty. Where Sarah and Abraham had or were lacking in faith, were lacking in that understanding of who God is, God turns up and he says, I am God Almighty. I am the sufficient one. I am sufficient in power. He is the sufficient one. And he takes our matters, you know, what sometimes seems impossible for a lot of things, he makes possible. He will encounter us at our weakest. You know, when it all seems lost, when things go against us, God shows up and he says, I am God Almighty. He speaks to us and he says, I am the El Shaddai. I am the sufficient one. I am the one who provides. I am the one that makes things possible where it's impossible for you. And I believe this is the encounter that Abraham needed. He needed that shift in his life. He needed a change in his life. He, he, he needed to realize that there was no problem too big or too difficult for God. Abraham had heard God speak after 13 years of silence. And when God speaks, he, he revealed to him a new name, a new name, a new, a new way, something new about God. And that would have triggered in Abraham's mind this new way to see God. When God basically shows up and he says, I am God Almighty. In Abraham's life, he would have been seeing something different. You know, he, he was lacking. He was lacking in faith. He was lacking because of the situation he was in. And God rocks up and he says, I am God Almighty. I am the sufficient one. And that would have triggered a new way of seeing God 
in Abraham's life. Abraham thought the problem was too difficult, so he went out on his own. He went out saying, God, we have an idea. This plan might help you. But in fact, it made matters worse. But God reveals himself and establishes that he is, he is the one who will provide. He is the sufficient one. He is the almighty one. And all Abraham needs to do is walk with him. Walk with him. God was reminding Abraham that all the promises, the covenant that was established between Abraham and God, it was all one-sided. As we started before, you know, when, when God made the covenant with Abraham, you know, and, 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 and Abraham basically slaughtered the animals and put, put them side by side so there was the path that they could walk and that was the way of the, that they would seal the contract. It was God who walked alone between the slaughtered animals, meaning that it was up to God to fulfill that promise, that God was making a, a promise or a contract with himself. It, it, showed that, it showed Abraham that it wasn't up to him to keep it, it was up to God to keep that promise. It was up to God to keep that covenant. And even if Abraham did break the covenant, even if he was to do something to stop it, the consequence or the punishment would not fall upon Abraham. It would fall upon God because it was God who walked through and he walked through it alone. So again, it's God's covenant and it's one-sided. It's only God. It's only up to God. It was unconditional. All Abraham needs to do is remain, is remain on God, remain trusting in God, knowing that the God Almighty who promised this, who, who promised the covenant, who, promised, who promises me a nation, he will make things come about. Even if it's impossible for me to do, God will make things happen. And we see the same similarities in Christ Jesus, right? That he saved us. He saved us unconditionally and He keeps us. Even if we were to try and run away, He keeps us. There is nothing that, can, um, nothing that we can do or that the enemy can do to take a, the salvation away from us. It is God who keeps us. Verse 2, as God speaks to Abraham, I'm sorry, going back to verse 1, I'm God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. Verse 2, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. God, again, as he's speaking to Abraham, he reminds Abraham of this covenant. I make this covenant between you, me and you. It's, it's God who's made this covenant. And the covenant or the promise is that you will have a great nation. You will have a great nation. But that's been the issue. That's been the issue for all these years for Abraham. How is he going to have a nation when he doesn't have a child? When he's childless? How is he going to have a nation when the years go by? And, and he and, and Sarah are getting older and older. And, and they couldn't see it happening any other way except for Ishmael. But... Again, God reminds Abraham he doesn't need our help to fulfill the promises that he makes. He doesn't need our help to bring it about, but he expects us to trust in him, to trust and walk with him and trust in his word when it seems impossible. And we see the response in Abraham in verse 3. Abraham fell on his face. He falls to the ground in an act of worship, in an act of reverence, knowing that he who stands before him is the Almighty. 
And there is nothing more that he could do but fall down and worship God. And it's at this point that God reminds Abraham of the covenant that he established, that he shall be a father of the multitude of nations. Again, reminding Abraham that it is God. My covenant is with you. My covenant, the promise, the blessing that I have, it's with you. It's on your life, Abraham. And even though he hadn't seen it, and even though he was well with age, 99 years old, God still reminds Abraham time and time again, my covenant is with you. All you have to do is simply receive it. The blessing Abraham had and received was undeserving. When you look at the life of Abraham, you know, time and time again, he struggled to believe in God. He struggled to, to, to see the promise, to live out the promises, to, to obey what God was, was saying, to obey the commands. But God was still faithful and God still blessed him and God was still going to bless him and keep his promise even though he continued to fail, even though he continued to wander and do his own thing. And when we consider our own lives, how many times have God blessed us when we are so undeserving? And we don't deserve these blessings. You know, the psalmist in Psalms 103 verse 8 says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love, in steadfast love. Verse 10, He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. If God were to give us exactly what we deserved, we would be in great danger. We would not be receiving any blessings because all we deserve is death. We have failed. We are sinful creatures. But even in our fallen nature, He still blesses us. He blesses the wicked. He is slow to anger, as the Word says. He is abounding in steadfast love. In, in other words, His love is plentiful. His love is continuous. It is ongoing. As First John 4 says, God is love. That is His nature. That is who He is. He is love. God Almighty continues to bless us, to bless us, even though we are undeserving of those blessings. And He loves us just as He loved Abraham. And He chose Abraham to be the father of the multitude of nations. Verse 5. God continues to speak to Abraham. No longer shall your name be Abraham, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. So verse 5 again, no longer shall your name be called Abraham, and, and that name means to be exalted father, but your new name shall be Abraham, which means father of a multitude. So if you follow this, up to now, Abraham has been called Abraham, which means exalted father. But for 86 years, Abraham has not had any children. He's had no child. And when, now that he has a child, he has this child in Ishmael, and the word tells us that Ishmael was like a wild donkey. He was a loose cannon. In other words, as he would grow up, he would be irresponsible and he would bring shame upon his father. You know, And so if you look at his name, Abraham, to be, which means exalted father, in his real life, he was no exalted father. He had no children for most of his 
um, for most of his years. And when he did have a child, it was, you know, as the word says, he was basically like a wild donkey. He would not bring any glory or any exaltation to Abraham's life. And now God steps in and he says, you're no longer going to be called Abraham. Your new name will be called Abraham, father of the multitudes. And you put yourself in Abraham's position. You're sort of thinking to yourself, I've only got one kid and he brings, he brings me no honor. And now you're saying that my new name is to be called the father of the multitudes. It would have been this constant reminder to Abraham's current situation, his current problem. But at the same time, God is basically saying, this is your new name to represent the new character that I'm, or, or the, the new life that I'm instilling in you. I'm about to break through. I'm about to, to show you exactly who I am. The God Almighty that fulfills all promises, fulfills even in the impossible. And that was that life-changing encounter. God meets Abraham. God meets Abraham. And, and God encounters Abraham and he reveals him to, to, to Abraham that he is God Almighty. And he gives Abraham a new name to signify the next chapter of this covenant. But this is the thing. It is God, firstly, it is God who encounters Abraham. And then it's God who calls Abraham to walk before him and to be blameless. To walk before him and to be blameless. And this is the last, last point. You know, oftentimes when God encounters us, when God moves in us, when God speaks to us so clearly, when God comes through for us, when God provides an answer or He provides a miracle, we're left in awe, right? We're left wanting nothing more than to worship Him for how good He is. We're basically like Abraham. We fall to the ground and we're just left in awe. We just want to worship God for He is good. But a lot of the time when we have those moments, after a while, those words, that message or that feeling tends to die out and we go back to living how we used to live in our old, you know, with our old desires in the flesh. And we've all been there. We can, you know, be real with each other. We've all been there. We've had those moments where we've been passionate for God, where God has spoken to us, when we've had those moments where He's encountered us. And after a while, we just die out. We die out of that passion. We just do our own thing. We've been there. We've been there plenty of times. But it is God who speaks to Abraham here. And he gives us this example. He gives us an answer on what we ought to do to continue living passionate for him. And he says, walk before me and be blameless. In other words, walk with God and continue to live in a truthful manner, continue to live in an upright and holy manner. And the two go hand in hand. You cannot be holy if you are not walking with God. In fact, the closer you are to God, the more in line you are with God, the more, of his, the more you'll see of His holiness in your own life, the more you'll be inclined to His righteousness, to His holiness. And you know when you start falling away, it's because you are no longer walking with God. You no longer have the time for God. God no longer sort of fits your schedule and you start fading away. And we know that the flesh that we have, you know, the, the, the flesh, the, the, the old man leans. It always leans to sin. And it's this constant battle that we have. 
And we feel like Abraham were, were inadequate, were hopeless. It seems impossible to do so, to keep walking with God. But that's when God steps in and he says, I am God Almighty. I am the sufficient one. We are insufficient on our own strength, but God is sufficient. He is almighty and he has given us the Holy Spirit. And it's important to remember that the Holy Spirit is transforming power. And it's a power that comes from within. You know, if we feel disconnect with God, if we feel like God um, is no longer there, like we're no longer hearing him speak, we, we haven't heard from him in a while. The word tells us God is saying, all you need to do is walk closely with me. Walk closer with God. Walk before him. The more we walk with God, the more we'll see His power, the more we'll hear of Him, the more we'll see of His Spirit in our own lives. The more you'll see just how almighty He really is. If you try to do it on your own strength, and you know, you, you, we often try to do it on our own strength, and we often fail, it's because we're insufficient. But God is calling us to have a relationship that is near to Him, to walk with Him, walk with God. We need to be reminded that He has given us the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit is our comforter. It is our, it is our guide. It is our counselor. And if we've been stuck in a rut or we've been stuck you know, in a place where we're not feeling Him, where we're not feeling the, Him speak to us, and it, it may be for weeks or it may be for months, even for years, know that God is doing a work in us and He is speaking to us now and He's telling us that what you need to do is go back and, and, and walk closely with God, walk beside Him. And that means spending time in the Word and that means spending time in prayer and that means reminding ourselves of the promises that He has for us, the promises that He has um, done for us on the cross in terms of salvation. As James 4 verse 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. This is what we ought to do when we're in that rut, um, when we're struggling to hear from God, when we're struggling to be passionate for God, he's calling us to draw into him, to, to walk before him, to walk alongside him and to be holy. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we just want to thank you. Um, we thank you for your word and we thank you for your instruction, Jesus, Lord. And we thank you for, once again, the example we've seen in the life of Abraham. Um, to see, Father Lord, just what you've done um, with this man, Father Lord. And while it's been a long time, Father Lord, you are constantly changing this, this, this man's life, Father Lord. And we've seen it, Father, throughout Scripture. And we see it in our own life that you're working in us, Father Lord. Uh, you, you know, through the trials, through the struggles, through um, the tribulations that we go through, Father Lord, I pray that you just help us to trust in you more and more. And I pray that we can see that you are the God Almighty, that you are the, the sustainer, that you are the sufficient one, Father Lord. And in our weakness, I pray that you'll be our strength, Jesus, Lord. I pray that you remind us of your word, Father Lord. And I pray for each one of us here, Jesus. Um, if we're feeling that disconnect, Father Lord, if we're feeling far from you, Jesus, Lord, I pray that we can walk, Father Lord, in your way, Father Lord. I pray that we can walk, Father Lord, before you, listening, Father Lord, to what you have to say to us, studying your word, Father Lord, drawing near, Father Lord, to you, Father. And I pray that, you know, you fulfill your promise that you will draw near to us, Jesus. I pray, God, that you help us in this, Father Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.